So this morning, here's what we're going to do. We, we've been in a, um, a, a series on what happens uh, when, after you die, what happens after this life is over with. And uh, we know there's one thing that is for certain uh, in this life, and that is that it will end at some point in time unless Jesus comes back himself. Uh, we're all coming to an end. So we have spent four weeks talking about that. We've talked about the reality of being eternal beings. Everyone's going on forever, either in eternal life or eternal death. And we unpacked what it means to be both in the presence of God and then also apart from God. And we understood that over the last few weeks. We're going to finish this morning by talking about what's leading up to that point what this life is actually about. What I want to talk about today is the brief, brief moment that we all get in this life. The brief moment that we all have in this life. Now, everybody knows in this room, while it might feel long at times, what we all actually know is that life is a flash. Life is a flash, and you know this, uh, because I would say this, you, you especially know this if you've got kids, right? So uh, let me give you an example. Uh, my daughter is in the fourth grade at uh, the elementary down the street here. And um, so they're, they've got all the kind of the launching the school stuff and school semesters kicked off. And so uh, last week, uh, one of the evenings, the school was hosting the school board for a meeting. And what they wanted is all of the fourth graders to come, or well, actually not all the fourth, they, they, want, they had a select group of fourth graders that they called their ambassadors. These are the kids that kind of stand out and they want these ambassadors to come and welcome the school board. So the, they're going to be welcoming at the doors and then they're, they're, they're going to be there at the table checking the school board members in, big, kind of a big deal. And so our daughter was named one of those ambassadors. And my first thought was, my daughter is not an ambassador. She's a baby. My daughter's an infant. And then I, 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 in my mind, I'm going, what are you talking about, ambassador? She's like, she's my sweet little thing. And then my wife, they give her the, the official shirt. My wife takes the picture. And I'm looking at my picture. I'm going, oh, my gosh. When did this happen? At what point in time did my daughter become old enough to be an ambassador for the school board? And th this is just, this is one of the things that happens to every one of us. You find yourself all of a sudden, you're like having uh, life and you're in school and then all of a sudden you're out of school and then all of a sudden you're married and then all of a sudden you've got kids and all of a sudden they're leaving your house and, and it's life is a flash if we're all actually true, truthful with ourselves inside, this thing is moving at 100 miles an hour. We're here for one second. In James chapter 4, you just throw, I'll throw it up on the screen. Come, James chapter 4. I want you to look at this scripture. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is, now here's the question, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live or, do, or we will uh, live and do this or that. Psalm 144, verse 3, O Lord, what is man that you regard him, or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Psalm 39, behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths. My lifetime is as nothing before you, surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Here's what the scripture is trying to communicate. It's not saying, ah, your life is not very meaningful because it's really fast. Here's what it's saying is, listen, in light of who God is in all of eternity, you've got one hour here. One. It's over in a moment. If I were to lay out a rope 
from this end of the room to this end of the room, signifying somehow, even though there's no end to eternity, all of eternity. Let me tell you how much of this life factors into that rope. It's like that. We're here for just one moment, one hour. And the point here is, listen, if we're going to be here one hour, then make the most of it. Take this hour, take this breath, this one fleeting moment that we have here and do something powerful with it. Live for something greater. Live for something that's higher and better and greater and go for it. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it. Look in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know <clears throat> that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, which you've studied history or you know that you know the old olympics they just stuck a wreath on the head which i think that maybe that they thought that looked good but um i think wreaths are great on doors it's not on my biscuit they do it to receive a perishable wreath but here here's what it says but we an imperishable so i do not run aimlessly I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Here's what he's saying. He's looking at the church going, listen, just, hey, we, are, we, we live in an athletic culture. Right? We all like athletics. We're all just really jazzed up about football season or whatever it is that you're into. We all like competition in sports. We like to watch some version of it. Some of you are NASCAR people or whatever. I don't, I don't know how that works, watching cars go in circles, but I, it's a thing, okay? That's, and that may be you, and we can talk about that. You can somehow disciple me in this. I don't, I don't get it, but it's cool. But listen, everybody gets the idea here. And Paul's just trying, they lived in a very, a culture that loved it as well, and he's just pointing to it, and here's what he's trying to say. Listen, you see this thing where people are training endlessly and they're all trying to get to the end as first place. The, every one of them has the intent for the highest and best place. No one's going, let's see, I'm gonna run this thing and if I can somehow come in sixth, I'm gonna be good. They're thinking, no, they're going, no, listen, you might be happy that you came in sixth, all right, when you find out what your competition is, but what your intent is, is I wanna go, I'm going for the highest, the best. And so he's, here's, what he's, here's the question he's asking. If these guys are willing to do this with their hearts, minds, and bodies for a perishable wreath, then for this hour missed that we have of a life here, every one of us is reaching for something that is so much further beyond anything we could imagine run for this. Let this be what you aim for. Go for the prize. Go for highest and best. Gun with everything you have. We're here for one hour. Make this thing count. And don't do it the way he describes it. Don't do it aimlessly. It looks foolish. Truthfully, actually, what he's saying to those that know Jesus is, listen, if your life is going from moment to moment accidentally, you look like a boxer who's fighting the air. It looks foolish is actually what he's trying to say. He's saying, what point would there be in 
engaging in this thing, if you're not actually trying to accomplish something, there is a goal, there's something higher and better in mind, and we were meant to press for it, to go for first place. Now, everybody, you gotta look at your neighbor, and you gotta look them dead square in the eye and say, you need to be going for first place. Ready, set, go. Going for first place. You be going for first place, all right? That was super awkward, all right, because you just looked at a stranger, all right? But here's what, here's what, that's what Paul's saying to the church. He's going, listen, first, this is where we're going. You weren't, you weren't made for second place. You weren't made for sixth place. You were made to press for first place. He says, I want you to run like you're going for that prize. And I think, unfortunately, I think somewhere in, um, in church world, We've kind of devalued the idea of pressing for the prize. Like, it's like, ah, you know, no, I'm, not me. I don't want to be first place. You, you, you uh, let's be sweet to each other, and, and we can hold hands and frolic in the flowers or whatever. And it's like, that's actually not the picture that we're getting here. We want to be kind-hearted uh, to mankind. We want to be loving and merciful and gracious. And all, all that's great. But listen, there's a goal that we're reaching for, and God wants us pressing for it. Hebrews chapter 11, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he, one, exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Here's what he's saying. You're fighting for something that is imperishable, it's eternal. Go for it. This life matters. You get one second. Go for the highest. Go for the greatest. Go for the most. Go for the reward. Live your life as unto God, as if you were saying, God, I want everything you've got for me. Whatever it is that God has for you in heaven, you are free to run for it. In fact, what he's saying, uh, so what we see in scripture is, listen, build up treasures for yourself in heaven, not the ones here that rust and moths destroy. Go for the everything. That's the call. That's the press. I'm gonna reward you, and we talked about that at length over this series. I'm, I've got incredible things that are far beyond your imagination. Push for it. And so the question is, then how do we win? If we're supposed to press for the highest and best, if we're supposed to go for first place, then what does it actually mean to win in the here and now? What are we actually going after? Because I think one of the, the biggest issues we actually face in our culture right now today is our culture is screaming at us that the highest and best is stuff. That the highest and best you can get is the best career and the best home and the best car and the best of all the things that we can put our hands on in this life. We, uh, uh, we talk or you'll hear often about the American dream. The American dream, being able to come from nothing and being able to acquire and have many things here. And I, I, I honestly think the scripture's looking at us and saying, listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with a house. I don't think there's anything wrong with a car. I don't think there's anything wrong with a golf swing. But here is what the scripture's saying. There's so much more. Your life is more than the collection of stuff in the here and now. There's something so much more that we're uh, aiming after. There's something so much higher and greater that we're being called into. And I think one of the, the battles that we have to face is that our culture is literally looking, sitting in front of us and saying the highest and best is the gathering of stuff for yourself. And what the scripture's saying is that that's empty in the end. It, 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 it actually doesn't fulfill. One of the privileges that I have is um, in the role that I get to play in the profession or whatever you want to call it, the role that I, I, I'm in is that I get to sit with families 
uh, as they go through some really difficult moments and saying goodbye to family members. And sometimes um, those lives end way before they're supposed to. One of probably the hardest weeks I've ever done, I did, I did two funerals within eight days of each other. Both were stillborn babies. And it just, it's painful. And you walk with families through that. You love on families and you try to help bring just a measure of comfort and life to them. But there's a lot of times where you sit with someone, it's like 95, 98, and you're sitting there with them, and that you can see that the end is drawing near. Can I tell you something? <clears throat> now, one time, in the many circumstances I've been in, in loving on families, not one time have I ever sat with anyone and said, and, and they said, I just wish I could have gotten a bigger house. Not one time when they were looking back on the scope of their lives were they ever talking about things. They don't ever talk about it. You know what they talk about? They're sitting there with their families and they're talking about the times where they loved each other. They're talking about the times where they saw that they had an impact. And when you talk with the family members around them, you know what they're talking about? Not the things. What they're saying is every time I sat down with this person, this is what they put inside of me. This is what they that this is what they spoke over me. This is how they changed, how I saw life. This is how I, I was shifted. My whole life was shifted because of what they spoke into me. This is what matters forever. And the problem is, is the culture is trying to feed us this lie that if we acquire more things, we'll be fulfilled. And what I think the scripture is saying here is we've got, we've got one hour here. The only thing that will matter forever is how did we make a difference for Jesus? Did we know him, love him, walk with him, and help others see it? Did we make room in our lives to speak the life of God into the people around us? Did we orient our lives around God's plan and purpose for us? Did we even ask the question, God, what's your plan and purpose? Are we just going from home to home and car to car and event to event and grade to grade and school to school aimlessly like we're boxing the air, not even knowing what our lives are actually about? We're here for one hour. We were meant to impact the world around us. And I don't care if that impact seems small to you, it's just your neighbor, or you get to go on mission trips all across the earth. I know this much. What the scripture is saying is we have one hour. Where are you going with this? What are you reaching for? What's the goal? It means something to God. It means something. Your life means something to God. My life means something to God. One of the most powerful things I've, one of the most powerful things I ever heard, <clears throat> a pastor was speaking to a, a gathering of young adults, two, it was the year 2000, 40,000 young adults had come together, it's an event called One Day, they were worshiping and the pastor, he gets up and he, he's, pre, he just, he's just pleading with these young adults Make your life count. He says, three, I'm just, I want to read actually what he said. He said, he's preaching to this massive group of young adults, college students, and he says, three weeks ago, we got news at our church that Ruby Ellison and Laura Edwards were killed in Cameroon. Ruby Ellison, over 80, single all her life, a nurse, poured her life out for one thing, to make Jesus known among the sick and the poor in the hardest and most unreached places. Laura Edwards, a medical doctor in the Twin Cities and in her retirement, partnering up with Ruby, 
She was also pushing 80 and going from village to village in Cameroon. The brakes give way, over a cliff they go, and they're dead instantly. And I asked my people, is this a tragedy? Two women in their 80s, uh, in their 80s almost, a whole life devoted to one idea, Jesus Christ magnified among the poor and the sick and the hardest places, and 20 years after most of their American counterparts had begun to throw their lives away on trivialities in Florida and Mexico, they fly into eternity with a, with a death in a moment. Is this a tragedy, I asked. I said the crowd knew the answer. He said no. He said it's not a tragedy. It's not a tragedy. He said, I'll read you what a tragedy is. And he pulled out a Reader's Digest. And he said, Bob and Penny, he's reading from the Reader's Digest, Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in uh, Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. That's a tragedy, he told the crowd. There are people in this country that are spending billions of dollars to get you to buy it, and I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead with you, don't buy that dream as the last chapter before you stand before creator of the universe to give an account with what you did. Here it is, Lord, my shell collection. I've got a good golf swing, and look at my boat. Nobody's standing before the Lord, having made the pursuit of their lives about stuff. Nobody wants to be in that place. Now listen to me. Nothing wrong with collecting seashells. Our family's done that many times. Nothing wrong with a boat. There's nothing wrong with a house. Nothing wrong with any of those things. There is something wrong when it consumes our lives. And I say that in Williamson County, the seventh richest county in the nation. We have to be very, very careful. We live in a place that is begging us to reach out and grab hold of and worship the American dream. And I tell you, it's empty. I'm all for vacations. I'm all for taking care of families. But beloved, that is not the highest and best. There is something we're all reaching for that's eternal. I've, I've had to make peace with many of these things. Is the best for my children to be the best athlete or be the smartest kid? I, I'm thankful for studies. I want my kids to work hard. I expect my kids to do their homework. But let me tell you something. The highest and best for my children is not to say that they were 4.0. Listen, if they, got this, if they got the mental capacity for that, go to it. The highest and best for my kids is I love Jesus and I want to make Jesus known forever. That's all I care about. I got a, yeah, I got some kids, I don't, know if they, I don't know if they got college material in them. I don't know, all right, right now. As it stands, they're young. We'll see, okay? But I know this, all I care is I want my life to matter forever. Church, that's who you are. That's who we are. That's what this church is meant to be about. We got one hour here. We got one hour for one pursuit. And whatever we pursue here, listen to this. This is what the scripture says. Whatever we pursue here reverberates throughout eternity. It goes forever. It means something. And so we run, not aimlessly, but with purpose. And so here's what we have to do. The question is, how do we begin to win? How do we run so as to win? First thing we have to do is we got to begin to define the win. 
there are roughly 115, 120 people in this room right now. That means there are 120 different, unique, God-designed races that are happening. And some of you decided to get married and to do it together. But let me tell you, every one of us has a unique journey and a calling, destiny you've designed. As sure as you all look very, very different in this room, your calling in Jesus is very, very different. So my question for you is, have you asked the question, God, what is my life going to be about? Have you asked him, Lord, would you define what it is that I'm supposed to be accomplishing in this one hour that I have here? And then, God, would you help me to engage my heart, my mind, my soul, my body with it? That's the question that we have. I was asking um, Christine, she's with our students this morning, I was asking her about, uh, she runs marathons. And so I, <laughs> I was actually asking her, like, what are the most important things? Like, when you run a marathon, like, what's the most important thing? And she was like, she laughed, because like, you're not, you want this for a sermon, you don't actually want to run a marathon, do you? And I was like, no, I have no desire to run a marathon at all. This is definitely for a sermon. But I just asked her, and, you know, without question, she goes, training is everything. Just what, what I'm doing up to the race is everything. So then the, the stuff that I, the, tr the equipment that I wear is really important, and then the other thing is, wh what am I feeding my body? And I was like, you eat, on a, you eat while you're running a marathon? And she was like, yeah, it's like, you know, gels and stuff. And I was like, sounds awful. But, um, but hey, but here's what she's saying. Listen, there ain't no way you're getting through a marathon. There's no way you're getting through a sprint. There's no way you're getting through any race without intentionally asking, what do I, what do I have to do to get there? How do I have to orient my life? Who do I need to be talking to? Who do I need to be spending time with? What do I need to be putting in my heart, mind, and body in order to get all the way through this thing well? It's a question that everyone has to ask uh, ourselves. It's what God wants to do. If our lives are a mist, if we're here for one hour, we want it to count. The only way for it to actually count is we begin to ask the question, what am I doing day in and day out on a regular basis? We can have these moments on Sundays, but there's a Monday morning coming. What does it look like for us to win? What do we have to begin to engage in order to win? What is God putting before us? What's he asking us into? What ways are we interacting with him? And what ways are we interacting with the word of God? And what ways are we inviting the Holy Spirit to have his dominion and way over us and with what group of people are we getting around to be stirred and to be challenged and to be scraped on a little bit all of these things matter in this race and in fact they're critical they become critical to the process and so that's what we want to take a moment to do in fact I'm going to let the I'm going to ask the worship team just to come back up here's what I want you to do. In fact, if, you, if it's helpful, uh, you, if you can close your eyes, I just got a couple of questions. So I'm going to ask you, and then I, we've got some things for you to do on the back of your notes. And we're just going to take five minutes just to process for a second. You, just, let me just ask you a few questions. Are you running right now in a way that brings peace and life to your heart or do you find yourself filled with anxiety? Listen, we are gonna have circumstances that create stresses in our lives. We can't get away from that. The question is actually more related to in the pursuit of your heart and life. Are you finding yourself at rest and peace with where God is leading you or are you finding yourself
constantly anxious. Let me ask you this. Are you, right now, just today, are you running in a way that is alienating you from family? Are your pursuits pushing you in a direction where you're feeling more isolated? Or where the pace or the scope is pulling you away and out of life-giving relationships. Are you running in a way that there's no evidence just in your heart and in, in, the, in your manner in life, there's no evidence where the life of God is in you coursing through your veins. Meaning, do, do your coworkers and friends and family, do they, they know what the pursuit of your life is about? Is there an evidence that God's, God has spoken over you and given you a highest and best to press for? And it's manifesting itself in your workplace and among your family and Every arena of life. Okay, here's what here's what I want to do. In fact, on, on your notes there, you'll see three boxes. And I'm just gonna give us a moment. We're gonna take just a couple of minutes here to ask these questions. I've given you space just to write, jot some things down, maybe. Maybe you need to write a prayer or um, something down, but I've got a few questions for you. The first question is this, and that maybe in that one of those boxes there. What pursuits have distracted you from running the race that God has for you? Just want to ask that question. If you see any pursuits, just ask this question. If it helps you to close your eyes, just so you can focus in on the Lord. We don't normally do this. In fact, we normally have notes that you fill out, but just wanted to give you space to ask this question because each one of us have a unique journey. Do you have anything that you find yourself wrestling for, trying to acquire or attain, and it just is becoming a distraction? And if there is, write it down. Own it. Make it a prayer. Draw a picture, whatever it is that you need to do but just be real with the Lord. Secondly, who are you encouraging me to be a blessing and expression of the love of God to? Just ask that question just before the Lord. God, is there anyone that you're asking me in this race to run? Am I supposed to be loving on someone? Some maybe it's a group of people, maybe it's a friends or family, or maybe it's co-workers, or maybe it's I don't know. It might even be a people group, it might be a nation. I don't know. I'm giving you total freedom just to ask that question. God, is there a group? I'm supposed to be influencing people. I'm supposed to be ministering. I'm supposed to be encouraging. I want to hear from you. I want to be, I want to be intentional. I don't want to box in the air. I want to be intentional with my pursuits. Then lastly, is there a lie that I've believed about my life that needs to be torn down? Is there a way that the enemy has spoken that you don't have what it takes or you haven't been good enough or you haven't studied enough or you aren't spiritual enough or strong enough, body, soul, spirit? Is there a lie that you maybe have believed that it's keeping you from just running this race, 
with a full heart. We want to tear down every thought that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. We want to take every thought captive and bring them into submission to the Lord Jesus. Once you're finished, uh, you can put your stuff down. Would you just stand? We're going to just take these few minutes and we're going to finish our time together by just declaring God's goodness. By saying, God, would you have your way in us? Lord, we're here for one hour. Just uh, even if just where you're at, maybe you just receive, Lord, I'm here for my, my life is a mist. I'm here for one moment. I want to tear down every stronghold. I want anything that's keeping me from stepping out into what God has for me. I want to do war against the enemy. We want to fight forward towards the thing that God has called us in. We want to press forward faithfully. We want to reach out to him without reservation. God, I'm asking that all over this room as we lift up our voice to you, would you set our feet on a rock, God? Would you help us to see this one hour we have here in light of all of eternity? Where are you leading us? Where are you taking us? What things are we supposed to step into? What places are we supposed to come against the lie of the enemy? What places are we begin to, uh, supposed to be, begin to say yes to you in our lives? No longer holding back. Would you release a spirit and attitude of worship in this place that as we sing these songs, we give our hearts to you and we press for the most important. God, we thank you for your provision in every way in our lives, but we're the first to say there's something so much more than anything you've given us on this earth. It's you, your presence, and making your name known. Would you help us to honor you? Would you help us to live unto you? Would you lead us faithfully now? In Jesus' name.
sing that out. We're about to sing a, 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 some lyrics that says, the atmosphere is changing now for the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. As I was reading through these words this morning, just thinking about what we've just sung, um, the, the evidence is all around. I don't know, sometimes uh, in a moment you can think, I don't know if there's a whole lot of evidence all around me that, that this is true or that this, this feels right. And that, that's, that's when we go to the anchor of our soul, yeah? So I wanna challenge us even right now in this week, just when we get in those places, those, those dicey places, those things where doubt begins to creep in, when fear begins to creep in, we're looking for the, we're looking for the evidence all around us. And the truth is it's inside, it's deep inside. It's, it's, you're looking for the Holy Spirit. When He's there, the evidence is all around. When we get our eyes on what we can't see or maybe our circumstances. I'm just gonna read, um, I'm gonna read in, in 2 Kings, even just where this, uh, this song kind of originated, the, the last song we sang originated from. Um, 2 Kings chapter, chapter six. 
love iPhones. Here we go. Now I love iPhones. All right. Second uh, Kings chapter six. If you know the story of Elijah, the king of Syria uh, was warring against Israel and uh, some crazy things were happening. Elijah was basically praying, reading the king's mail, could, could never stay ahead of the children of Israel. And it says the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. He basically says, I want you to go seize, seize Elijah. He says, go and see where he is that I may send and seize him. It was told him, behold, he's in Dothan. I'm guessing that's not Dothan, Alabama. But he said, go seize him in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army. They came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning, Elijah had a servant with him, rose early in the morning and went out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, please strike this people with blindness. Anyway, basically they win. And... uh, this is, this is what we're talking about. The evidence suddenly became all around Elijah and his servants. But it was, it, it, we have to know for us, we don't win the battle. It's not, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against things that many times are unseen. We're asking God, make those seen to us right in this, this moment. Look, but I'm looking for evidence of your goodness. Let me, let me look inside my heart. So just, just for a few moments, when we just, uh, just look inside, just say, God, would you remind me of the evidence that I have in you? Maybe you're looking for evidence. Maybe you don't know this God that we're talking about. You don't know what Jesus can do for you. You just say, God, would you just show me who you are in this moment? Remind me that it's only because of what Jesus did on the cross that I have any evidence of goodness. We ask that you change the atmosphere continually around us to be those that have eyes of faith, to have those that are confident in the Lord, who run in the strength and the power of his might. For this hour that we're here on earth, we want to run as to win the prize. The atmosphere is changing now. For the spirit of the Lord.
You give life. You give life. 
this one hour to be lived as unto you. Would you show us faithfully the scope of our lives before you, the breath that you've given us each and every day to make a difference, to shift the spiritual atmosphere in every place that we go, to carry with us.